Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 25 Crossing the rest of the Weeping Plains took the remainder of the day. Nothing disturbed them, which by itself made Baz uneasy. The landscape was utterly silent, causing him to jump every time a bit of gravel crunched underfoot. As the afternoon pressed on, a thick fog settled over the landscape, obscuring visibility. Baz's stomach was like a burbling cauldron by the time the first ruined buildings of Tome began to hover up out of the mist. The fabled ruins were far less impactful at ground level than from Aramir's back. There was no grand and crumbled archway or obliterated plaza to greet them, no fanfare or bright lights. There were also, to Baz's great dismay, no heaping towers of books just lying about, ready for them to pick over so they could make a quick return to Deliritus. It was just heaps of wreckage, withered weeds peeping from between the cracks. Their footsteps echoed off the piles of debris, and a mustiness in the air had Baz covering sneezes with the back of his hand. With light failing and the mist failing to relent, Baz and Rox found the shell of a once-large house and set up camp for the night. They had said little to each other throughout the day, and Baz wondered whether Rox was still dwelling on the question he'd asked the night before about what he'd do when Deliritus went back on his word to Baz. To Baz's dismay, he found he felt just the smallest bit guilty at causing the giant man consternation. Bah! He shoved the sentiment aside. He would not entertain any emotion even suggestive of liking the harbor. They quickly finished a surprisingly satisfying meal of dried fruits and fresh vegetables that Aramir had supplied them, along with a few far less enjoyable strips of dried meat from the remaining stores they'd brought with them. Baz was about to lie back and try to find sleep when a rattling from Rox's direction drew his attention. Rox's hand was outstretched over the small fire they'd built. It was little more than a few glowing embers, mostly stones that Baz had superheated with a fire spell to minimize smoke in case Hellar or Marla, or a band of Cityless, were nearby. It cast a ruby glow across Rox's stern features. He was holding out a necklace. It was made of the teeth of the worm he'd killed, strung on a leather cord. Baz lowered his gaze, staring at it in the dim lighting. It is finished, a great trophy from a descendant of the All-Truth. Yeah, 
Baz said noncommittally, unsure where Rox was going with this. In Enigma, when someone tries to trick you, but you see through their ruse, we say you can't fool a worm, for a worm knows no lies. A worm's talisman grants its owner insight from the all-truth herself, an ability to see through deceit. Hmm, that's, um, very interesting, Rox. I want you to have it. Baz's eyebrows shot upward. Oh no, Rox, he stammered. If he couldn't like the man, he certainly couldn't accept a gift from him. Don't your people find great, um, truth in killing those things? You earned that necklace. I won't take it from you. You saved me from the creature, Bastion. That day was your truth. You take it, and my thanks. Baz could have cursed. Spurning a man three times his size wasn't a healthy decision. But he wouldn't have rocks thinking that he'd forgotten the past, either. So what if the giant had once lost a family, too? That didn't excuse what he'd done to Baz's own. Maybe you're right, Rox, that I saved you. But I had to. Losing you would have made survival much harder. I didn't do it because I cared about seeing you to safety. I don't know much about enigmas, but I can't believe there's much of your truth in that. The words stung Baz's mouth worse than any misspoken spell as they left his lips. But he didn't regret them. They'd needed to be said. Absolutely. He couldn't have rocks thinking things that weren't true. And certainly what Rox was implying about Baz wasn't true. Certainly. Rox looked down for a moment, and his hand wavered. Baz nearly let out a sigh of relief, thinking the harbor had reconsidered. But then Rox looked back up. My mother once told me there is magic in truth. Magic? What's that? I do not know, Rox replied, but I think that's the point. The big man held the necklace out toward Baz with renewed vigor. Baz held the harbor's stare for as long as he could, but it was a hopeless contest, and ultimately he looked away. Fine. He stood and swiped it out of Rox's hand, then plopped back down on his side of the fire. He turned the necklace over in his hands. Rox had done a fine job, having whittled holes through all the teeth and then polishing them with a rag until they shone. Without looking at the harbor, Baz took off his hat and slipped on the necklace. Only after he'd replaced his hat did Baz chance a glance at Rox. The harbor had replaced his leather mask, which he'd removed to eat, but Baz saw the crinkles at the corners of his eyes. Bloody burning books! Don't get any ideas, Rox. I still don't like you. Without waiting for a reply, Baz lay down and covered his face with his hat, though that didn't prevent him from hearing Rox's amiable rumble. To Baz's great surprise, he fell right to sleep and slept through the night. Well, most of the night, Baz woke in the dimness of pre-dawn with one massive hand shaking him, another clapped over his mouth. For an instant, he panicked. Quickly, though, he realized that was foolish. If Rox had wanted to kill him, he wouldn't have given Baz a chance to wake. His head would have been rolling away from the rest of his body with eyes still closed. 
Rox held a finger to his mask, indicating quiet. Baz gave him a thumbs up, and the harbor removed his hand from Baz's mouth. Baz looked around. When he saw nothing alarming, he raised his shoulders and narrowed his eyes at the harbor, and Rox gestured toward his ears. It took Baz several moments to grasp what had alerted Rox, but finally he heard it. There was the sound of footsteps and indecipherable chatter coming from just outside of the rubble pile in which they'd set up their camp. Cityless? Baz mouthed to Rox. The harbor nodded, bending down until his hot breath was right on Baz's ear. Surprisingly, it didn't stink any worse than Baz imagined his own did after waking up from a night's sleep. Perhaps they'll lead us to books, Rox murmured, though that close to Baz's ear, his deep voice sounded like a shout. Baz's eyes darted in the direction of the cityless, but their voices gave no indication of having heard. Breathing a sigh of relief, he looked back to Rox. He nearly dismissed the harbor's suggestion out of hand. The cityless were lawless vagabonds. What use would they have for books? But Baz stopped himself. What was he actually basing that assumption on? His only source of information about the cityless, he realized, was what readers had told him. In fact, the only cityless he'd ever seen had been that poor soul who'd been caught and tortured that day at Xavier Tower, and... Apparently, he'd been able to read. In all likelihood, Baz was permitting unfounded hope to cloud his judgment. But even so, he had no existing plan other than to wander aimlessly through the ruins. Deliritus had been the one to spend a lifetime preparing for these trials. Baz had barely even looked at a map of Tome's layout. When viewed from that perspective, following the Sidulus seemed as good an idea as any. So Baz nodded agreement to Rox, but held up a hand to indicate he wait a moment. Baz groped around in the dark until he found the book pack and began rummaging through it. He was able to find the volume he wanted based on its size. Slimmer than the others, he flipped through the pages until he came to the spell he wanted, one of the few Deliritus had ever had him cast with any regularity. A sound-deadening spell. Deliritus had used it to sneak about the library at night to visit Delida's chambers without being noticed. Baz figured it would be equally useful for following a group of cityless without drawing attention. An ember or two remained of their fire from the night before, and Baz bent over them to illuminate the page. Deliritus would have thrown a fit if he'd seen Baz putting one of his books so close to a fire, even a mostly dead one, and Baz could hear rocks shifting uncomfortably, no doubt thinking the same. Focusing on his and Rox's bodies, mostly their feet, Baz spoke the spell. It was a simple one, just a couple lines, and it was cast in seconds. It left his mouth dry and chalky, as if he'd just walked through a dust cloud, but he was pleased to find no pain at all, which meant he'd enunciated well. Tax would have been proud. Baz replaced the book in the pack, buttoned it up, and stood. Rox had his head to one side, looking at Baz, obviously unsure what he'd done. 
With a small smile on his lips, Baz lifted a foot and stomped down. Rox winced, surely expecting the noise to alert the nearby Cityless. But the impact of Baz's foot in the dirt was barely a whisper. Rox's eyebrows rose, then he gave an exaggerated nod of understanding and rose without a word, testing out the spell with a few modest stomps of his own, which proved to be no louder than Baz's had been. Baz let out a long breath, trying to tell himself he was ready for this, just going on another errand for Deliritus. Go into the ruins and get a book. Simple. Baz rolled his eyes at himself and just accepted that the worms crawling about in his stomach wouldn't be going away. He tucked the necklace Rox had given him beneath his shirt, gave the brim of his hat a firm tug, then gave Rox another thumbs up, motioning for him to lead the way toward the cityless. They were closer than Baz had supposed, right around the corner from where he and Rox had camped. Five men and three women, most leaning against rubble heaps, a few sitting down, just chatting amongst themselves. They looked like, well, ordinary folks. All of them wore clothes that wouldn't have been out of place on most of the illits in erstwhile, garments made of homespun fabrics in mostly muted colors that blended in with their surroundings. A couple of the men had chainmail tunics over their shirts, and all were armed with some manner of weapon, swords, a hand axe, a couple spears. Maybe the other two didn't make it through the Firelands, one of the women said. She was lounging against a collapsed wall with her head tilted back. She stood out a bit from the others, as her dark green shirt was embroidered with a flowery yellow pattern, the only bright color on any of the group's clothing. A leather satchel sat beside her that bulged at one end in such a way that suggested there might be a book within. After all, the same woman went on, the one was scorched by that fire breather that the other influenced, and then that other subsequently lost control of the dragon. They could both be dead. Scouts? Baz mouthed the word to Rox, who only shrugged. Cityless had been tracking them since the Firelands? Bah, replied a man with a hatchet. He was flipping it into the air and catching it with a confidence that suggested he knew how to use it. Wishful thinking, Emma. Where are the bodies? If they were dead, our scouts would have found some trace. They both vanished. They'll be here, those filthy hoarders. Mark my words. Emma shrugged. Well, they won't be our problem, Aelin. At least, not today. Our shift's done. Let's head back. The rest of the group murmured assent at that, and soon the lot of them were heading off deeper into the ruins. Rox allowed them to get a safe distance away before he began to follow, Baz trailing after him. It only took minutes for Baz to be completely lost as the cityless led them through twisting, debris-filled streets. The silencing spell he'd employed was literally a lifesaver, as there was no way Baz and Rox could possibly have remained silent on the uneven terrain, which was often covered in shattered glass or gravel. It soon became apparent that the cityless weren't taking a direct route to wherever they were headed, but instead were on a predetermined patrol route, heading west down one block, then backtracking east down the next, 
apparently looking for Deliritus and Hellar, and, for that matter, Baz and Rox. This went on for several hours and became so tedious that on more than one occasion, Rox had to swat Baz's hands away from fiddling with the worm-tooth necklace for fear he'd alert the Cityless to their presence, though the silencing spell continued to mute nearly all sound they made. One thing the trailing did show them, though, was that no inch of tome had avoided the destruction wrought by the burning. Not a single building remained entirely standing, which after a while began to strike Baz as odd. Clearly, these cityless they were following lived nearby, and they'd spoken as if there were more of them, perhaps many more. So where were they? They had to have shelter somewhere. The empty shells of buildings that surrounded them on all sides would make do for a few nights of camping, as he and Rox had just done, but certainly not as permanent accommodations. Finally, they followed the cityless down a side street that opened onto a wide avenue, and at its end was the spire of the Great Library. With no building taller than a few stories anywhere else in the ruins, it seemed impossibly high. Baz arched his neck back as far as it would go, and he could just make out the tower's peak, the jagged rubble where its roof was missing, slicing into the air like Rox's razor. The cityless moved toward the tower as if it was their destination, though Baz couldn't see where they possibly intended to go. The base of the building was surrounded by even more debris than the rest of the ruins, almost as if piles of the stuff had been purposefully shoved up against it. Baz could make out the peak of what might have been an entryway buried behind a pile of rubble, but certainly no suggestion of an accessible ingress point. Rox and Baz ducked behind a still half-standing wall as the cityless reached the base of the spire. Emma, the woman in the green shirt, unshouldered her satchel and removed a spoken book from it. Baz raised a brow at Rox, and the big man nodded. The rest of the group put their backs to Emma, encircling her and keeping a watch in all directions. She thumbed through a few pages, then faced the tower and began to read in a clear, contra-alto voice, her tongue rolling over the smooth, flowing syllables of creation. The pile of rubble before Emma suddenly vanished, revealing a tall oak door with an ornate handle in the shape of a quill. Nodding with satisfaction, Emma tucked the book under her arm and opened the door, motioning for her companions to enter. They began to shoulder and sheathe their weapons, smiling and chatting as they headed inside. Rubble crashed to the ground from somewhere behind Baz and rocks. Instinctively, they both spun around. All Baz saw was the flash of a red shirt streaking down an alley and out of sight, but that was enough. Hellar, muttered Baz. Before he could concern himself further over the Xavier Reader's appearance, though, cries came back from the direction of the Cityless. Over there! Aelin, the man with the axe, was pointing directly at where Rox and Baz still stooped behind the shattered wall. 
several of the other cityless cursed and began sprinting toward the hiding spot. Shredded pages, Baz shouted. He dropped the book pack to the ground and reached into it at random, coming out with the frightful book of shadow that he'd used to kill Hellar's harbor what seemed a lifetime ago. It was probably his imagination, but it seemed that those same dreadful voices began to murmur in his head as soon as he touched the volume. He dropped it on pure, appalled reflex and shot a look at rocks. The harbor had an expression of utter calm on his face. "'Today you are my oath, Bastion,' he said. "'Your well-being is Deliritus's well-being. The words mean what they mean.' With that, Rox snapped open his razor to its full length and charged out into the open, bellowing a battle cry that made Baz want to weep, and he wasn't even on the receiving end of it. The advancing Cityless stopped dead when they saw Rox, eyes widening, but they didn't have long to gawk as the harbor barreled into them like a mad bull into a flock of sheep. One of the Cityless thrust a spear toward Rox's midsection, too slow, Rox sidestepped and took the man's hand off with an upward swipe of his jagged razor. Blood spurted into the air as the cityless fell back, screaming. Without slowing, Rox simply grabbed the spear of the second cityless and snapped off its point, then headbutted the unfortunate woman square in the nose. Her face broke with a terrible crack, and she crumpled to the ground. The third cityless appeared to have received the message and began to run but surprisingly stopped after only a few hurried steps and turned to face rocks, sword held out in challenge. Too late, Baz saw what was happening. He tried to cry out a warning, but it was useless. Rocks rushed at the Cityless, raising his weapon overhead and bringing it down in a strike that was sure to split the Cityless in two, even if he managed to get his sword up in time. But Rox's blow didn't land. Halfway down, his arms simply stopped moving, along with the rest of his body. He was just suspended there, mid-strike, as if held by invisible flows of air, which, in fact, was precisely what had happened. Emma stepped from behind the man Rox had been about to rend into multiple pieces, spoken book held before her. Gotcha. The knife's blade was cold against Baz's neck, he tried to thrash out with an elbow, but his assailant yanked his other arm behind him until Baz was sure it would snap. He grunted, body going rigid in an effort to relieve some of the tension. Walk, his captor's voice said into his ear. The man pushed, and Baz had no choice but to move out into the open, toward the other cityless and the entrapped rocks. As they approached, Emma stepped around Rox's unmoving form to kneel beside the cityless the harbor had maimed. He was whimpering and curled into a ball around the bleeding stump at the end of his arm. Emma wiped hair from his eyes and thumbed her spoken book to another page. She murmured a lengthy spell, and the man's cries of pain subsided, blood ceasing to spurt from the stump. Emma stood and turned to regard Baz with cold, gray eyes. "'You'll suffer worse than him before we're through with you, hoarder of words.' She spoke with such hate in her voice that Baz flinched back, which caused his arm to strain painfully in his captor's grip, 
which further made him cry out in a most undignified manner. Overall, it wasn't turning out to be a very good day. The other four Cityless, who weren't either injured or currently on the brink of separating Baz from his right arm, came up beside Emma, two to either side. They looked to her as if awaiting commands. She let out a heavy sigh. Kill the big one here. Too much of a risk. No! Baz cried out. Don't hurt him! Emma turned her spiteful glare back upon him. You should have thought of that before trespassing in our city and hurting my friends. Emma looked to the female cityless on her left and jerked her head toward rocks. The woman unsheathed a long dagger and approached rocks. Baz's mind raced. He couldn't let them kill rocks. The man was just fighting for a promise, a promise he valued more than life itself. In the end, wasn't that what everyone wanted? Something to live for? To believe in? Wait, wait, wait! Rocks! The blood! Show them the blood! After all, the same woman went on, the one was scorched by that fire breather that the other influenced, and... Oh, what is it with this paragraph? There's lots of T's. After all, the same woman went on, the one was scorched by that fire breather that the other influenced, and then the... Uh, and then that other subsequently lost control of the... This is a terrible paragraph. Oh my goodness. Dreaded pages, Baz shouted. He dropped the book pack to the ground and reached into it at random, coming out with that frightful book of the shadow. I'm just inventing words here. They're not even there. They're not on the page. <laughs> Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.